live and pre-recorded. This is the Red Ticket Blues Podcast. I am Brian Buckley. This is being recorded on June 29th to hit the internet on June 30th. That is the last day of June. How's everybody doing? Uh, you can always listen to the show, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, YouTube, Stitcher. Once again, I'll ask, how's everybody doing? You're probably doing... You can't be doing any better than Steven Matz, the new pitcher for the Mets who made his debut yesterday. We'll talk about that later. And you can't be doing any worse than Greece and Puerto Rico. Because they're just like us. They don't like paying bills. They don't like it. Who does? No, I'm just, I'm just going to tell the cable company tomorrow. You know what? You provided a service to me like a bank would provide a loan. And now uh, I don't feel like paying. I, I can't do it. It's not that I don't feel like. I just can't. So just keep it coming, though. All right. We move on. Enough of the world's problems. I can't solve that all in one podcast. Over time, possibly. Not today, though. What are we going to talk about today? We'll talk about the aforementioned Stephen Matz, who made his debut for the New York Mets yesterday, and it was quite a performance from the young pitcher. We'll discuss the NBA draft, particularly particularly the uh, Knicks pick. Uh, it was a little outside the box. Some people were excited. Many people weren't. I'll tell you, my, I'll give you my take on that because that's the most important one. We don't want to hear about Carmelo Anthony's take. You want to hear about Brian Buckley's and the Red Ticket Blues take. Uh, We'll get into a Hall of Fame, well, I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame of broadcasting or not, it's not really that important, a very well-known broadcaster who got himself into a little bit of trouble this weekend with his pretty insensitive comments. And if we have other time, we'll talk about other stuff. I don't know. Not sure how much time we'll have. Not sure if we'll have enough time. That's the quote. There we go. But before we get going, I just want to let everyone know, I appreciate you listening, wherever you may be, whether you're in your car, in your cubicle, thank you for listening. Thank you. And if you like the show, if you don't like the show, tell your friends you don't like it. Tell your coworkers you do like it. Tell that bum you're looking at drenched in piss and fecal matter. Tell him. Speaking of bums, let me tell you a quick story before we get into all this. So I was in downtown New Haven today. And by the way, I should be in Barcelona right now. But because of work requirements, I'm in New Haven, which is just a beautiful area. It doesn't compare to Barcelona. No, I'm joking. But I should be in Barcelona. I'm not. Due to work requirements, though, I am here. My wife is there taking on some business, and we were supposed to go together, but that's life. Barcelona, then Paris. She lives the good life while I work my fingers to the bone in gritty, gutty, dirty New Haven. No, she's working as well. I'm just joking. But back to the bum story. So we're in downtown New Haven the other day, and I don't know when bums started getting this aggressive, okay? But we get out of the car. And this woman comes up to us. I mean, she's not like the aforementioned. That's twice. Twice in the same podcast. Aforementioned. Aforementioned bum in urine. But she's disheveled. I I probably wouldn't want to talk to her. She comes up as we're getting out of the car and says, "Uh, you know, excuse me. And right there, you know. Excuse me, sir. You know. You know there's a story about to come. A story you don't want to listen to. I don't care what you're selling. I'm not buying it. But she goes into it. I'm parking the car, you know, adjusting things and whatnot. And she says, you know, excuse me, I'm from Greenwich. Right there. Oh, you're from Greenwich and you need my money now. Greenwich, one of the richest places in the entire country. And I uh, have an issue with my car. Something happened with it. And says, "And, and I need to get it fixed. I need to get back. So I need like $18. $18. What happened to, can you spare some change? $18? Are you kidding me? 
eighteen dollars. Do, do not so so. Let me get this straight. She either has repairs that need eighteen dollars, or she was able to pay all of it except for eighteen dollar balance. You don't carry a credit card or anything like that. You you own a car, but you don't have a credit card that you can pay if there's something wrong with it. Eighteen dollars. Yeah, sure. Let me let, let me write you a check. Uh, disheveled, uh, annoying woman on Temple Street. Is that what I should make it out to? You don't even need ID. You look just like that. Description. $18. What the fuck? $18. Oh, man. Is that where we're at now? $18? Can I spare some change? I mean, and I, and I, what I did was, I mean, my wife said something like, uh, what'd you say? Oh, you know, sorry. We, we don't, we don't have that. Sorry. And I said something like, get the hell out of here or whatever. I'm joking. I didn't say that. What I what I do is defend off the really annoying ones. And for eighteen dollars, by the way, you should be doing a dance or telling me something. Eighteen dollars. I, I you know what I do is though I usually just talk over them. Yeah, sir. Can I have it? Yeah. No. No. Don't have anything. No. No. Sorry. Bye. That's the best approach normally. Eighteen dollars though. There is a woman though in New Haven. You can look this up. The Shakespeare lady. She sort of just comes up to people and starts reciting lines of Shakespeare. She's known as a Shakespeare lady. She's reciting lines. They, I, I would assume they're Shakespeare when I see her. I haven't seen her in ages. But and then she just expects payment after that, I guess. But uh, $18. And, I'm, and I know some of you think, oh, Brian, oh, excuse me, and you're in your ivory tower, anti-homeless. I'm not anti-homeless. The world can change very quickly. And events happen, and you, you, you don't see them coming. Like Red Sox pitcher Joe Kelly in the spring training said he was going to be the Cy Young Award winner. Joe Kelly. I don't even know what the most amount of games he's won. He, has he even won more than 15 games in his career in a year? So he's going to win the Cy Young. He's been optioned to AAA. Pawtucket. That happened last week. So life can come at you quick. I know that. And if this woman gave a good story and, and you know, it, it, you, you got to do something if you're begging. $18. Let's see how many times you can say it, Brian. $18. Whew. I don't know. It's like Al Bundy right now. I don't know when they let started women carry machine guns, but uh, what else we got going on here? Uh, I spent a long day today. Uh, you know, I, it was my choice to listen to sports radio, Mike Francesa and uh, WFAN in New York, and it was so brutal, the amount of trade proposals I mean, today. I mean, I'm, if you, I, I, Exactly. Mike, I feel your pain there. I feel you. That's what I felt like listening to the show today. It's like all the the, the mongoloids that hear the trade proposals. When they hear two people do it, then five people got to call them back and forth, back and forth. These trade proposals are not contingent on your telephone call to a sports talk show host. It it, it doesn't work like that. There aren't GMs with notepads and pencils saying, hey, you know, Billy New Brunswick made a great point. Call up the Kansas City Royals. I want to talk to them. We need to make some moves. It doesn't work like that. All right. Let's get it going. This is from uh, Zane in uh, Riga in Latvia. What the hell? Latvia? Wow. Are are we friends with Latvia? (laughs) Uh, I am prepared to take the rest. With the fourth pick in the 2015 NBA draft, the New York Knicks select Kristaps Porzingis from Liepaja, Latvia. He last played for Sevilla in Spain. And those were the sounds that were heard at the Barclays Center uh, when the Knicks, with their fourth pick in the draft, as you heard Commissioner Adam Silver say, they selected Kristaps 
Porzingis from where the hell? I know he's from Latvia. Latiap Latvia. He's seven foot one, two hundred and twenty pounds. Listen to that for a second. Seven foot one, two hundred and twenty-five pounds. I'm five foot ten. I was pushing two hundred a few months ago. I'm trying to get that off. Still still not helping when I'm drinking beer like this. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, the big one. Not the regular it's not a tall boy, I guess, but it's a pint. It looks bigger than a pint. But Got that at my ghetto liquor store. We have to get buzzed in. And the guy in front of me, how about this? I'm all over the place today. Guy in front of me, I do not want to know what this tasted like, but he had two Old English 40s and two uh, plastic fifths of mudslide mixer. I guess it's pre-mixed. I don't know. I don't buy, buy mudslides. That sounds terrible. That sounds like what they give the inmates in Guantanamo Bay after they waterboard them. They force them to drink that. I don't want to know what that tastes like. But back to the draft. And Adrian Wojnarowski of Yahoo Sports, who kind of just scoops, not kind of, he does, scoops all the the picks made in the draft. He tweets them out before saying, you know, they're on the fourth pick on television when he's already tweeting the sixth pick. And I'm not understanding why they allow him to do that. I mean, I guess you can't stop people from doing that, but it just sort of, I don't know. I guess. I don't know how to feel about that. You can't stop information. This isn't communist Russia, which they're not, it's not communist. But he said earlier this week about Porzingis, and if you know anything about the NBA, Europeans coming over here have a reputation. They have a reputation of being soft. Sorry, I hit the desk there. Soft, finesse players, little defense. And Adrian Rosenheisky writes, Porzingis has an innate awareness about the way the American public sees a young, long European teenager. He comes to the NBA with a full understanding that popular basketball culture declares him guilty until proven innocent of the basketball crimes of Darko Milicic, Nikolos Tshkivili, and Andrew Andrea Bargnani, who he's teammates with. He's considered a stiff, a bust, a blown lottery pick until he doesn't become one. And that is the truth. That's how we as Americans look at Europeans. Now, if you listen to Colin Cowherd, he makes a great point of, for whatever reason, you know, we watch college players play all the time. We, we watch the games. We pick at them. We, we, we look for faults. We, we want to dissect and be the best experts we can about these players. And we've seen so much footage on them that we start to question ourselves. But when a shiny new toy is put in front of us, like a 19-year-old, 19-year-old European in the form of Christoph Pozingas, we, we, we fall all over ourselves. We become... We, we, we can't we can't contain ourselves. So, ooh, the, my, the, the mystique, the mystery, the intrigue, the euro. I, I, all I can say is this, and you heard the reaction from the Knicks fans. Uh, you are chastising this guy. You are booing him, not because of him. Because guess what? You know nothing about him. Yeah, he looks like a European, just like the Europeans you see around. They, you can spot a European very well. They're wearing insanely tight clothes. This is in the States or in Europe if you go there. Insanely tight clothes. And they usually have some sort of crazy hairstyle. Lots of bright colors. Uh, many times they're wearing shirts of uh, just random cities in the United States. Brooklyn, L.A. I don't see many people in the United States wearing like Rome or Vienna. Maybe I'm just not hanging around the right circles. But I'm not an expert on many things. And I'm certainly not an expert on seven foot one Latvians that are 19 years old, and neither are you. The fourth pick in the draft, the Knicks, 
in a in a weird way they worked for this. They worked to get where they to get a better pick. They were terrible. And when there's guys on the board such as Justice Winslow, or uh, why are all the names escaping me here? But Carl Anthony Towns was the first pick, and geez, I watched the entire draft. I watched college basketball, and now I don't know. What the, how the draft order was. So let's do this. This is embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. Justice Winslow, you had... Uh... Now I just don't want to start naming names here. How did it go? All right. Who else could you have taken? Willie Cauley-Stein, I mean, if you really want that. Trey Lyles, Devin Booker. These are all guys that I really don't see as... as sure bets. A lot of these Kentucky guys, you really don't know what they are because they play in that sort of system where it's a platoon, in and out, in and out. I mean, right after him, you had Mario Hezonga. So you have the same issue. Another European guy, Willie Cauley-Stein, Emmanuel Moudier, who's an American, but he played, well, he's from the Congo, he's from America, but he played in China last year. Stanley Johnson, I'm not too crazy on him. Frank Kaminsky, what's he going to be? Doofy white guys usually don't work out in the NBA. And then it just starts to go down from there. You know, Phil Jackson says, and a lot, he's not the only one, that that Pazinkas, he may be a project, but he's going to get there. It's going to be a great, great, in some players' words, steal. Now, star player for the New York Knicks, Carmelo Anthony. Big fan of the show. Uh, Initially, there were reports that he was not happy with the deal. He was infuriated about the deal. He thought it was terrible. And in the second round, they traded his uh, somebody he was close to, Tim Hardaway, for Notre Dame guard Jerry and Grant, which, even though he almost got into a physical altercation with Tim Hardaway during the year, but they're friends now, they patched up. But now, Carmelo, who, I will say this, I do like this about Carmelo Anthony, every once in a while he goes to social media and then just tries to fight everyone. He's just, like most guys, distant most of the time, but then he'll just jump in and just start going at everyone, going at the trolls, going at everybody. And he said it was a steal. He's happy with it. He can't wait to play with him. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Maybe he wasn't infuriated. I can't imagine he's thrilled to play with a 19-year-old project. But at the same time, they can only make the Knicks better. He can only make the Knicks better. They can't be any worse. They had the worst record in their entire history last year. So... Put it this way, it's going to be very difficult to be worse. We'll do a quick rundown of the draft here. Carl Anthony Towns by the Timberwolves. He'll be a solid NBA player. He can do lots of things. Big body. I like him. I don't know if he's ever going to be a star, but he does a lot of things very, very well. Freshman. D'Angelo Russell, picked by the Lakers, second. Another guy who I think could possibly be the best player in the draft. And I, like I said with a lot of, uh, like I said in other podcasts, the draft is so difficult to do now. These guys don't stay in school very long. I mean, these guys are babies, most of them. They're right out of high school. They're, there's one year in college, which, college, that's funny. I mean, they go there for one year knowing that they're going there for one year to play basketball. And you got Julia Loco for out of Duke, who I see big bust potential with him. Uh, but he, he's, he's a tough one because I think if he actually puts his mind to it, he can do well. He looks like a guy who doesn't really care that much. His game's limited, doesn't play any defense, but he has star power at the same time. Well, Brian, you're all over the place, covering all bases to make sure you're right. Damn straight. Then you got Porzingis, like we already talked about. Hezonja, I don't know anything about him. Willie Cauley-Stein, gun to my head, he's going to be a bust. He reminds me of a larger, uh, what's his name, Darius Miles, if you're familiar with in the 1990s. 
2000s uh, guy right out of high school. Amazing freak athlete, but not that great of a basketball player. You got Emmanuel Moutier, who we really don't know much of, out of China. Uh, the kid from China. And next guy, Stanley Johnson, who was taken by the... Is that the Pistons? They changed their logo. I really don't know much about Stanley Johnson. I know he went to Arizona. The West Coast, it's an East Coast bias, man. When you're on the East Coast, you don't care about the West Coast because you think the East Coast is better. When it comes to sports, I've never actually been to the West Coast to actually view it and enjoy it, but when it comes to sports, they're secondary. Frank Kaminsky, we all know him. He was drafted by the Hornets. Who knows what he'll be in the NBA. He's not going to be able to guard guys one-on-one. He does sort of fit the current mold of the NBA, though, as a big man who can do lots of things, including shoot the three. Then you got Justice Winslow at 10, rounding out the top 10 by the Miami Heat. He is another guy that I could see. It seems like most critics are in love with Justice Winslow. He could be, and I see potential there, but I could see him being an enormous bust. But keep in mind, most of these guys outside of Kaminsky are, are children. They're under the age of 20. I just see Justice Winslow, and, uh, I mean, he did get better as the season went on. And in the tournament, it seemed like every shot he was making, he was falling on his ass, though. He wasn't actually doing anything to, to, I don't know, it just seemed like there were always freak shots. I don't watch enough Duke to actually say that for sure, but, I don't know, that's the way I felt. And I'm sticking to it. So that was the NBA draft. Uh, and, of course, you know, death, taxes, the Knicks not liking their pick. But all I can say to Knicks fans is, chill, hold on. Let's see what you got in this guy. Maybe you'll like him. All you people that are ready to boo at the draft, you might be the same ones cheering him. I'm not going to say you're right or you're wrong. I don't know. I've never seen him play. I've seen still shots. I've seen him dunking on other white guys in Europe. It's a different game. He's going to play with some men. He's going to play with people who bang. I mean, Europeans are finesse, but I do like the, the way Porzingis has approached it. He's been a guy who said, I know what people think of me. They think of me as the skinny white guy from Europe who can't play, and I'm ready to take that on. He said it was his lifelong dream to play for the Knicks. Aim higher. No, I'm kidding. It's New York City, so I can understand that from another country. It's your it's your goal to play there. Maybe he will bring a championship to the New York Knicks, the first one since 1973. Uh, I think that's the correct year. Somewhere in that area. It's been a long time. I'm sure Carmelo will uh, make sure that he will be the number two because Carmelo has to be the number one at all times. Just ask him. Brand Carmelo. He is a brand, then a basketball player. Brand, then basketball player. Wax on, wax off. All right, so moving on, let's do it. Bob, in all my years of calling games, I don't think I've ever been this excited. You're excited? Feel these nipples. That, of course, is Bob Costas and his uh, critically acclaimed role in basketball. The movie by the South Park creators, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Is that their names? It's extremely irrelevant to this podcast. I'm just trying to show off if I can actually get names. But if I'm wrong, it looks even worse. That is him. Uh, Bob Costas, if you're not familiar, even if you're not a sports fan, you probably know who Bob Costas is. You know his face. You know his voice. He's been around for a long time. He's done lots of things. He's done NBC Sports, Baseball, Olympics. He's done some NFL work. He has a baseball voice. He's perfect for that for that sport. He has a little bit of the smugness, the arrogance, the nostalgia. It's it, When I think of baseball, and it's perfect that he is in the Ken Burns baseball documentary, the epic saga 
that I do watch every time I have a few drinks and say, yeah, yeah that's the way baseball used to be, yeah. even though I never lived through it. But I watched those ones in the 1940s and 50s acting as if I was a little kid going to games at Ebbets Field when it was torn down decades after I was born. But still that voice, the voice of Bob Costas, uh, conjures up what's good about baseball, about how baseball was life before the other sports, before the internet, before other distractions. It was... It was a rallying cry of a neighborhood. A, a, a You get the point. I don't need to keep throwing adjectives and terrible cliches at you. He's also a huge pompous ass, too. He has an enormously large head, and I don't mean that physically. He likes to parachute in at the end of things. Like the WBC, the World Baseball Classic, didn't do one damn game in the last one. But, of course, he's there for the championship game as if he was there from Jump Street. Bob's Bob. Costas is Costas. But the other day, and let me get the facts here because I don't have it straight up in front of me. Uh, he was doing a game for the MLB Network versus, it was the Chicago Cubs. This was last Friday. Chicago Cubs versus the St. Louis Cardinals. And Cubs relief pitcher Pedro Strop, 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 after giving up a home run, hitting a batter, and then walking one while getting one out, uh, was pulled from the game. And like many players, he made a gesture to the heavens most of the time people do it when they do something good, but everyone has their own religion, the way they view it, and the way they practice it. So this was Costas' take on Strope's gesture. We can only ask or wonder that he is asking some departed relative for forgiveness for this atrocious performance. It's pretty brutal. Uh, for a guy that will get on his high horse every once in a while, uh, there's this, if you watch NBC Sunday Night Football, there seems to... The, that seems to be it is. It's a halftime part for Bob to just get up on his soapbox and say whatever he wants. Most of the time it has to do with the sport in question, football. So it's not that big of a deal. But he does like to take uh, stances on issues, guns, this and whatnot. Bob loves himself. He loves what he says, how he looks. But this is not a good look. And this is not a good thing he said. But I, I will give Bob Costas credit. Uh, let's see, where was the quote from him? He said told the Daily News that the tone of it was not what I intended. I intended it as kind of a sarcastic comment about this overall thing where everybody seems to be pointing towards the heaven for every accomplishment, large and small, or even for no accomplishment at all. I inadvertently appeared harsh towards Strupp. That wasn't my intentions. And so, I owe him an apology. I will apologize to him on Sunday. No word if that apology actually happened. I'm sure it did. You almost feel like that entire quote was going to have those last two sentences off. It was just going to end with, that wasn't my intention. I'm sorry he feels that way. But he actually put, and so I owe him an apology. He actually never did say, I'm sorry. He said, I owe him an apology. So I guess maybe he did skate out of it. <laughs> Piece of shit. Oh, boy, that Bob Costas. Don't even get me going. But Bob is Bob. And just thought it was an interesting... He, he did his, he did his uh, damage control very well. I'm reading this on a blog here... Uh, that <laughs> Bob Costas rips Cubs pitcher unmasks intense hostility towards religious expression. Don't think that was really the intention. I think it was more he was trying to be funny and it failed miserably. He can do what he wants, though, all right? He was there to watch Steve Nebraska pitch that game, and he threw a strike every time. It hasn't been duplicated since. In his first game and in Yankee Stadium, he hit a home run from both sides of the plate and he was a pitcher, and he don't even bat in the American League parks. 
that's how good Steve Nebraska was. And that's how the situation that Bob Costas was there to be able to do it with Tim McCarver was amazing. That was a movie, just so everyone knows. The Scout with Brendan Fraser. Pretty terrible film. We'll get into... Speaking of terrible, but... Uh, there's a terrible transition. Forget that. Forget it. Uh, the Mets, who have long, 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 hyped up their prospects, like many teams. The Fernando Martinez is of the world. The lasting millages. The Bill Pulsifers and Jason Isringhausens seem to finally have some things going. They got Matt Harvey. And no one loves Matt Harvey more than Matt Harvey. You got Noah Syndergaard. You got Zach Wheeler, who's out for this year, but he's still an ace. An ace. He's still a very good pitcher. We still don't really know what we have with him. You got Jacob DeGrom, who won the NL Rookie of the Year last year. And then we bring in Steven Matz. So on Sunday, the Mets played the a doubleheader, the first one being the remainder of a suspended game from before because of rain. Usually that's why games are suspended. Uh, and that went into 13 innings. So this guy, who is notoriously intense going into his starts, is sitting there waiting, chopping at the bit to get out there. Just waiting. So I'm not sure exactly what time he actually got out there. But he went out there in front of City Field. He's a Long Island guy. And what happened was, it wasn't just his pitching, which was good. He pitched a great game. Mets won the game. He's from East Setauket, New York. I'm sure people listening to this from New York are just like, are you an idiot? You don't know what that is. Oh, yeah, leave me alone. Uh, I'm on baseball reference here, and it's not bringing up the stats. I thought they updated this, like, minutely. Is that a word? Minutely. Let me go here. Let me just uh, shoot it as I look for this. And it wasn't just his arm that impressed a lot of people. It was his bat. And let me get here. A lot of, lot of dead air here. Why do I not have any internet either? That's that's not good. Okay, box score. Let's see. Mets. Okay, so Steven Matz pitched 7.2 innings in his first game, which is that's pretty good. And then they have the, that Terry Collins, the manager, has that confidence in you to even do that. Uh, he threw, let's see, 114 pitches. Right? Is that is that correct? Who cares? Uh, gave up five hits, two earned runs, six strikeouts, three walks. Okay, not terrible. Pretty good. But the big thing was he's a pitcher. He went three for three with four RBIs. He's batting 1,000 right now. No pitcher has ever done that for the Mets. No position player has ever done that for the Mets. And I'll tell you, if you get a chance, if you haven't seen this, Look up Stephen Matz's grandfather. This old guy going crazy as he sees his grandson breaking into the major leagues. A guy who, Stephen Matz, on his first batter, gave up a home run to Brandon Phillips. He said that, I see this, you know, I said, I think to myself, I'm paraphrasing, welcome to the majors, let's settle down and do this. And he did. And he's four RBIs, three hits. And one was a very long double. They were playing him shallow, but still. Very long double. You got to think, with the Mets going forward, I don't know if they're really serious about contending this year. Who knows? They say they are. They're full of crap, though. The Mets, smoke and mirrors, smoke and mirrors, smoke and mirrors. I think they're going to go the distance with these guys this year. They've got a six-man rotation going on. I think they. I think it's almost about they want to get the guy, all these guys on a pitch count. want to give them the most rest they can. 
and they want to display them to the rest of the league because they're trading one of them in the offseason. One or two, probably one, in the offseason or next year when they're ready for it. When they're ready to go for it. Next year. Next year. You, you notice a theme with that in New York? The Knicks, it's next year. The Mets, it's next year. We're not playing. You know what you're telling your fan base when you say that stuff? It's not about this year, it's about next year. I almost wish we were back in the times that Bob Costas made you feel good about in the 50s and 60s when you didn't know about the payroll. When that wasn't public knowledge to everyone at, the, at our fingertips, you almost said, hey, come on, let's see this crappy team play. Maybe they'll win one for the Gipper, you know? But now it's like, look at this, you can't pay this guy. They don't know the salary cap. That's my old man discombobulated. So that's all I got. I think that's all I got today. Do I have more? I don't know. What, what, let's see. What else can we talk about? We're at 28 minutes here. Uh, I th- you know what? We'll end it with this. We'll, we'll, we'll end it with this. I want everyone to enjoy themselves today. It's a Tuesday morning, which in reality is probably worse than Monday morning. It's worse than Monday because at least there's that notoriety with Monday. It's a, oh, it's Monday. What can you do? Uh, Monday. Oh, hey, Monday. Oh. Oh boy, I hate Mondays. Uh, but everyone's it's like a rallying rallying point. I feel like I've done this. I feel like this is a bit I've already used. If I am, well, if I have, then whatever. But Tuesdays are worse. I know I'm going to go in there tomorrow, and I'm still going to be a long ways away. Well, we do get Friday off this week. This is what a terrible week to use this as an example. But I still know I'm far away. I'm going to go in there. I'm gonna, same old shit. Going to go to that coffee pot. It's going to be hardly any coffee. No one's going to redo it. Nobody. Again, either I did this or this is an old bit from like the 80s where they're, where they're, you know, some white guy on Comedy Central uh, late at night trying to do comedy and he's in like some rainbow suit or something like that. Not because he's gay, but, and, and by the way, gay marriage is now legal in the United States and that's great. I'm not gay, but I'm, uh, you know, I take this stance. If you, for you Seinfeld fans out there, do you remember when the Drake got married? Hate the Drake! Uh, that's what happens eventually. But do you remember when the Drake gets married and Elaine is saying how happy she is that they got married? And Jerry says, well, I'm happy they're happy. It, it doesn't really do much for me, but I, I'm happy they're happy. That's kind of how I feel. You know, I'm happy that they're happy, but I'm not gay. I'm not getting married. But if people want to get married, then they should get married. That's my take. So sports, society, issues, culture, the Red Ticket Blues podcast is, it's, it's, every spectrum is being covered. And on that note, after I've solved all the world's problems and going over all of this information, I'm going to bid you adieu. So you can listen to the show on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and YouTube, and as always, you can follow me at BrianBuck13, and any of those good publications, especially iTunes, you want to leave a review, damn it, you leave a review. And I don't want to hear belly aching. you leave a goddamn review, okay? And what you can do even better, you can subscribe to the podcast, meaning, huh, you don't have to say, I wonder if Brian did another podcast, do I have to listen to that? Oh, God, when, when did you do it? No, it's sent right to you, you're forced to listen to it, now enjoy it. Or you can always follow at BrianBuck13, like I said, so you'll never miss anything. And you get to hear all of my tweets that are, see all of my tweets. There's actually an app where you can hear the tweets, but you make your preference. And on that note, 
I'm going to say everyone enjoy your Tuesday and enjoy your July 4th if I don't talk to you. If there's not another podcast I want you to do in July, in, in July, in, in gelato, enjoy your July 4th holiday weekend. I'm out of here. $18. $18. $18.